Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Sergio Garcia, I don't think anything, I've certainly never seen anything quite like that. I'd like to thank William Hill for their contribution to my summer holidays as well. <laughs> Owen, is that something that uh, that one-to-one thing in golf, something that golf doesn't usually have, and it was that dictatorial thing, or, or what was it? Was it the passion of Sergio? But what, why was it so fantastic? Because Garcia is a, a personality in sport who is so exuberant, who um, attracts fans and admirers, and who's had this extraordinary narrative of, of the kid who we thought for, who came in at the age of 19, and um, at that time we thought, wow, we've got a decade, a decade and a half of Garcia against Tiger Woods. It was set to be the, the sort of the greatest. It was set to be Palmer against Nicholas for for years and years, and it never happened because Garcia didn't have the heart or the soul or the mind or whatever. Who knows what it was? Um, and we thought we'd lost him, and he just battled and he battled and. He, he got miserable, and, and, and now he's come out the other end. Stuart, I was just thinking with uh, Justin Rose and um, and Sergio blasting it away at each other. It reminded me a little bit of yourself and Rob Andrew over the years. Were you were you the the Justin Rose, the more steady one then? Yeah, I, I, I think probably Rob played the percentages a little bit more. I went for the Sergio bit, but I wasn't as popular generally. Um the other thing I loved about that, Steve, was the, f- the fact that we had the subplot. We had the boy wonders who have achieved the Jordan Spieths and the Rory McElroys, and we were all waiting for what well, I was because I had a team and they were both in them, a big bet. And we waited for them to come pouring through. They couldn't handle the pressure. And the great thing about that, you, you know, commentary kept saying they're looking at the scoreboard as... as as Garcia went up to seven, he went up to eight. These great players just couldn't handle it. And whilst obviously a huge amount of skill is required, it's it's a great reminder that at the highest level, all sport has a huge degree of psychological strength required. Good point, Stuart. Adam, you, you love your golf. What did you make of it? I thought it was brilliant. But first, um, just like to pay tribute to Justin Rose, I thought he showed himself to be a real class act in yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Sergio was a, yeah. a hugely popular winner. A lot of the players were tweeting, you know, go on Sergio and all that. But they weren't in any way denigrating Rose, but I thought he showed a... A lot of class. Are we doing golf the whole way through? Hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us for The Ruck, the Times and Sunday Times rugby podcast. Just to remind you, you can subscribe to us. I hope you do. And you can leave uh, reactions or reviews uh, for us uh, on any topic. We've got a fantastic panel here today, uh, starting with Adam Hathaway, the token pop paper red top uh, representative. Adam, uh, after your last appearance, uh, we're all desperate to know latest on the Greyhounds. Uh, Ninja Rascal came second at Crayford on Friday. 
just got bullied out of the finish, so needs to toughen up a bit. And what work ons have you got for Ninja? Well, like any rugby player, he's just got to do his extras. Fair enough. Um, Stuart Barnes is with us today. Barnes has been away at uh, Swansea. Oh, it sounds like he's been on Mars. He's been he's been down to Swansea, where Leinster sne- sneaked in, and also Owen Slot. Owen and I just been talking about what uh, a fine um, tranche of rugby we saw on the weekend. While we're here, we just should say best wishes to Brian Moore, one of our rivals in uh, in Pod Wars, uh, who's recovering from a heart attack. Hope it's a rapid and complete recovery. First of all, we're going to discuss uh, Aviva Premiership. Then Stuart is going to give us his views on um, on the Guinness Pro 12. But uh, what we have had this weekend is the is the record for uh, tenancies for one season uh, for one series, um, and by quite a, quite a number of people. Obviously, um, Owen, uh, Adam, and I uh, loved the um, experience at Bath uh, and Leicester on Saturday at Twickenham. Thought it was magnificent. Uh, to get 61,000 people there, most of them dressed in blue, uh, a long, long way from Bath, um, was just fantastic. The atmosphere was tremendous. We may not all like the ranting and roaring, but uh, it was good, also a great game. One misery guts um, didn't, <laughs> didn't quite see it like that. If you see the times, it almost drips with um, uh, Barnes's uh, distaste for the whole thing. There was only 61,000 there after all. Uh, misery gets. What have you got to say for yourself? Um, uh, I thought it was a, a wonderful sort of nostalgic trip back in time to the days when Bath left Leicester was a final at Twickenham, and everyone knew the pecking order in the club game. Bath first, Leicester, and then there was no one else really. And and to me, they all. My view was it was a, a wonderful event off the field, but I felt to a certain extent. Um, we got carried away with the off-the-field sort of extravaganza on it. And I felt brilliant as someone like uh, Faletau played. Um, leaving a, a leaden-footed Leicester team for dead doesn't mean you're a, a British and Irish lion. And whilst I think he is, I just felt that sort of summed up for me the fact that um, the game itself had nothing to do with the quality of the occasion. And uh, great getting 61,000 there, and it worked out for Bath because they got the win. Um, but, you know... I. I still think the most important thing about rugby is what happens on the pitch, and sometimes we get a bit carried away. Have we, we got canned booze to bring in here, producer? Can we have some cans of noise? Yeah, exactly. Here we go now. Well, do you, do you... I mean, I, I have to say I don't agree because um, you know rugby can always go on uh, being played at the wreck in front of eleven thousand people. But what struck me when I left the ground after work on Saturday was an unbelievable number of little kids there. Uh, all we're all wearing blue and white and black, and you know, rugby is going to go down off the field if we can't they can't pay the bills Steve, and they can't attract more people. I just I did, all I said was I didn't think I, it was a great game. I said it was a good occasion. It's fine. But we all said it wasn't a great game. I mean, the thing is, it it wasn't a great game for sixty minutes, but then it it went off into it took off into the, into the stratosphere because there was suddenly tries from from nowhere. So you know, look, it wasn't a great game, no doubt about it. Uh, but um, I actually thought it was. An, I mean, we're partly teasing you because some of us don't like the ranting and roaring and and uh, Bath fans being told to clap their own team, etc. But uh, it, it it felt like something to me anyway. So I, I actually bought a ticket. I, I I paid some money into into the coffers of, of Bruce Craig for for that um, privilege on Saturday, and um, uh, the the atmosphere was fantastic. I bought a Banahan bap. 
that's um, that's these are experiences you don't normally have in the press box. If I'd have known there was a Banahan BAP, I wouldn't have what had was it, any what, criticism. What was in the BAP? Um, pork and stuffing. I don't know yeah. why it was called a Banahan BAP. They could have called it a pork BAP. But anyway, yeah. I was out there with the people. Matt Tamua sat behind me. It, it was it was a brilliant occasion, but it was almost a, it was a relief when the game kicked off to get a bit of peace and quiet because that bloke was just screaming and <laughs> ranting, and there's just no need for it. <laughs> no, I, I I agree, I agree, but. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think he, I didn't. Think, I thought he was terrible. The rest of it was all right. But um, it, it, look, you've you've got to get more people into the game. And hey, listen, let's, be, let's be fair. We can you can look out the back of the Twickenham through the press box window, where there was sixty one thousand in front of you, and there was seventy one thousand in the stadium that you could see with the naked eye from where we were standing. If, now, we, if we can it, join in with the misery, there was nothing worse than the stadium announcer at Twickenham during the World Cup. I mean that that no. we, we've got to agree. We can all agree on that. I'm with anyone, any miserableist in the world on that one. Oh, he was absolutely abysmal, but he didn't realise how abysmal he was. We're not talking about John Taylor now, who was quite mellifluous. We were talking about that ranting bloke who was doing the interviews. It's he was an shocking. ex-something, wasn't he? He's ex, he's ex- he was an ex-something. Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. He was an ex-talent. voice of God. <laughs> yeah, he's the voice yeah. of God, yeah. yeah. That was before the tournament as well. Um, the, well, let's the, 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 just look a little, in a little bit more detail because started off, I thought, with uh, with Sale for a team uh, placed in ninth or tenth position, playing extremely well on Friday night, and and have definitely some players which, if they keep hold of, um, the likes of Haley, James, these guys, can be really something if they can keep hold of them. Anyone else? Anyone else uh, got a view on Sale? Because I thought it was a terrific game. I but, think. I, sorry, I think they're developing very well. Uh, if they get a front five, they've got a back line next year who will take them a few places. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think uh, Eddie Jones was up at the sale training ground last week, probably having a look at people like Haley to take to Argentina. And Sale have also got to play Leicester and Bath um, in the last three rounds, so they could have a big say on the fourth uh, uh, place. OK. Um, Do you think Eddie would look at those Curry boys for that Argentinian tour? Because he said he might take two or three of the under-20s to, um, to Argentina. You... you Presume that one of them is Zach Mercer from Bath, and yeah. I'm not sure who the other two would be. He's, na- he's name checked Mercer already. I reckon they've probably got a shout. They're highly rated, don't they? Okay. Um, any any uh, Saracens would uh, put Harlequins away. Uh, John Kingston said not by as much as the score suggests, but um, it seemed to me that they were pretty well, pretty well in control. Just wonder, um, Stuart, uh, how do you see the current situation developing between Munster and? Um, and uh, and Saracens because the whole idea of the new look was that there was no free rides. You had to uh, play every week in the in the, in the Pro 12 to make sure you qualified. Well, the collapse of the Welsh teams is such that your grandmother could have played for Munster and um, and uh, Leinster and still qualified easily. Munster all had a whole week off um, on Saturday. Saracens have got to keep plugging away because they want to have a home tie. Big advantage. Well, yes and no. No, in the sense that Munster um, have got rest, but they haven't got game time with their first 15. Um, I was speaking with uh, one of the Leinster coaching team at halftime in the game on Saturday by the name of um, Stuart Lancaster. And he was making the point that on a Saturday, the IRFU said Henshaw can play, but Gary Ringrose needs a rest. Presumably next week, Ringrose will play and Henshaw will get the rest. So as they look towards Clermont, they're not really getting it together. And and the same applies to Munster. Um, And bear in mind, uh, 
it's not just Munster's fault. You know, this is a, a union situation, Steve. You know, if, if, if the game had evolved differently when it went professional in England, we would be in the same situation. Thank God it hasn't. Um, but Munster would have liked to have several more of their players playing against Glasgow than they had. And in the end, though they had home advantage, you know, that was a tough game for them because Glasgow had a pretty strong team there. So um, I don't think it's a big advantage for Munster um, as you think. I think it's a disadvantage as well. What I would say is I watched Toulouse get hammered by Toulon on Sunday afternoon. And as a racing man, I, I do believe in form lines. And Munster's sort of scruffy victory against Toulouse, when you look at how Toulon hammered Toulouse, it worries you. And I think the form line-wise, uh, Saracen, even though it's in uh, the Aviva Dublin, I, I think they're strong favourites to win this one. OK. Uh, Adam uh, Lester, you had a good look at them on, on Saturday. They're well behind in fourth place. It does look like they're currently favourites to make it. Have they now got any ability at all or momentum to challenge uh, away from home in the playoffs, either Saracens or Wasps, um, or even or Exeter? Well, unless Matt O'Connor's got a magic wand, you can't see him going to any of those who are currently in the top three, Wasps, Exeter or Saracens, and winning. I mean, on Saturday it was strange looking at a Leicester team, thinking of things in the Lions teams in the summer, and basically there's only two candidates I mean a few years ago there would have been half a dozen yeah you're, you're right there okay um, just just a word about the premiership itself seems to be in good health Owen I've started covering it a little bit before you but I can remember being at Roslyn Park in front of 600 people etc now um, five figure crowds are very much um, the, the norm 21,000 at Wasps obviously loving it as well to be fair to premiership rugby we, we've been critical they have their critics, but they've established a competition in the teeth of the lack of preparation for professionalism, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and has gone from strength to strength. The, the attendance of um, Curve is, is steadily going upwards. I wonder about the week. Obviously, the weekend they had the, those two big games, but there's been a lot of talk of summer rugby recently, and, and quite controversially so, but a lot of people came out the weekend because it was a fabulous day and, a, and a, just a gorgeous weekend to go and sit and watch sport. So... Is that is that is that a part of it? It was there were there were loads of tries at the weekend. I saw nine at um at Wasps on Sunday. Uh, how many were there were there at Twickenham on Saturday? I mean, it was all out there to enjoy. It, it, is summer a part of it? I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think I don't think you should go go too far in that direction. But you get good games. You get good weather. I, I think that. Um just get the funny farm on the phone for slotty exactly. and um, should be watching cricket. Yeah, I know, I know. And um, but we let him off that minor gaff about summer rugby. Stuart, you've been um, broadcasting a lot uh, this season on the on the Pro Twelve. I did a piece on the weekend about the collapse of Wales. I mean, you know, the Ospreys couldn't even put away Stade Francais in the quarter final of the second competition. Um, one of the teams is up for sale and may, may even stop. What's the um, temperature in the re- in the rest of it? It's positive because the top two are good. Uh, Munster and Leinster would be highly competitive if they were in the Premiership. They've both got big squads. Um, They come at the game a different way. Um, uh, Until three weeks ago, you know, the Ospreys looked a very good team and they've just gone off the rails. But teams do that, you know. It's happened with Bath and Leicester on occasions this season. Uh, Just compared to last year, it's very healthy. Last year, after a World Cup... The lack of strength in depth told, and Connacht won what was a very poor tournament. 
this season, it's going to take a good team to win it. So it, it's much better. This time next week, it'll be, I think, only 24 hours before the Lions team is picked. And that's when we have to stop picking all our Lions teams. Guys, a lot of games on the weekend involving a lot of Lions, um, to which Warren would have been glued. What did we see that sort of changed our, changed our thinking? Anyone who's come through, anyone who's fading badly? I think uh, outside half, the potential battle for the third place, Dan Bigger took a step backwards and George Ford, uh, I've wavered with him, but he showed at times again at Twickenham in front of a big crowd he can play. Look, I've got to say, I, I said you can't say Toby Faletau is a, a must because he played against a, a slightly better than average premiership team. And yep. Same applies to Ford. But I thought Bigger just looks uh, a competitive soul who doesn't have that feel. Ford is a fantastic footballer with a great feel. And I, I felt that there was a bit of a flip-flop there. And if I was Warren Gatland, and if I thought, who is it going to be? My mind wasn't made up. I'd go Ford. Falatau cemented uh, the situation, obviously. And I think Anthony Watson um, may have caused a little bit of head-scratching. Not if he goes or not, but where does he play? Um, you know, last week I was casting around for Simon Zebo. We were, all, you know, we had Rob Carney. We've had, we had all sorts of fullback. And uh, I remember many years ago watching Bath, and I wrote a piece, and I got laughed at for saying he reminded me of Cullen. Not how good he was, but the way he picked a line. Hmm. And if he had Sexton and Farrell putting the right balls into space, I just saw bits and pieces at Twickenham that just reminded me what I wrote about four years ago: the kid's exceptional talent. I, I agree. I, I think he's approaching world class. I mean, to be, as, but as a wing, Steve. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what, exactly what you're saying. But I, I think the way life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The, the way he appeared on the far on the left wing to take that lovely pass from Banahan suggests he's, he's coming into his own and, and can play fullback. Anthony Watson, Slotty, can he play 15? 
Yeah, I think he can. For, for me, it's it's a bit mental with uh, with, with Anthony Watts or a, or a confidence thing. He, he 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 came into the England squad later than Jack Nowell for that very reason. That Nowell has this sort of I can take on the world. I'm not scared of anything. Sort of confidence. And and Watson didn't have that. He 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 needed time to to feel that he belonged in the England squad. And that would be the same for the for a Lions experience. He might come in slightly timid and would need to um find his feet. So probably would play a, a wing rather than fullback. I think it. Well, I think we all agree that eventually he, he or Elliot Daly will be the England fullback. I think probably Watson actually, but I think he'd be the. I think he could well be a Test wing. Okay. Who have you seen? Well, I, I spoke to Watson after the game on Saturday, and he was very keen to say that he loved playing fullback for Bath, hmm. um, be, basically because the other players they had in their back three. Then we asked him, has it been discussed at England level, and whether he was telling the truth or not? He said no, but obviously Eddie's got him in, in mind as a. 15 of the future sure okay who else have you seen well Falata was obviously one um, who proved his fitness if nothing else because we know he's a world class player I just want to bring up a point that Barnsley wrote in the paper on Friday and wonder whether Ben Youngs is slipping down the uh, pecking mm. order with um, Wigglesworth coming up the rails Stuart um, well I think if you gave you gave uh, you finally came on board the Wigglesworth bandwagon mm-hmm. after an absence of 30 25 years but not quite I gave him man of the match against France Steve on his debut that was oh, a sky sorry, game sorry sorry got it right um, I, I you know my, the premise of my argument is only ages keeping him out of the England team he's by far the best scrum half in the premiership 12 yeah. clubs forget about English or not he's the best yeah so if it wasn't an age issue he'd be playing for England if he was playing for England you can imagine that he'd be playing quite well. If he was playing quite well for England, we would be talking about him for the Lions. Ergo, I, th- I think he's got every, every reason to be considered. And, and this stuff about there's enough good rugby in the Six Nations to look elsewhere is, is palpable nonsense. I mean, you open your mind, you don't close it. But he, but an, until recently, until, Sar- until Saracen's game started expanding more this season than before, we hadn't seen him do much with the ball in oh. hand and, and, and challenge players himself. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you look at that great sale team in 2006... One of the reasons Farrell looks so good is that Wigglesworth, A, has a... I mean, people don't say he passes brilliantly. It's the most important thing, more important than box kicking, everything, because you have no back play if you can't pass. Wigglesworth has always been a very good passer. Ben Young's, in contrast, is a poor one. And I yep. think he's a sort of bloke who makes a 10 look good without us. Sometimes we forget because... We no, see the I, 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 I get that. I, I agree with that. It's just that the, the bits that Youngs and Care sometimes do. And I'm not arguing for the, for their inclusion in the lines ahead of him, but but the idea that that Wigglesworth is the is the ultimate uh, nine all of a sudden. I don't think he's proved that enough yet. I think he has. I mean, the other day I just thought he was absolutely magnificent. He was electric. He was the engine that that kept the whole thing ticking. And um, I just I I've been look. I mean, I've been supporter of, of Richard since 2007. I, I just think he's the ideal man. I mean, Ben Youngs was trying desperately to prompt someone through the gap on Saturday. Never, never succeeded. And, and, and to me, if we say that uh, Conor Murray and um, and uh, Reese Webb are going to be the starters, well, I mean, Ben Youngs is is really someone in roughly their style. Uh, and I think they really should look at either Wigglesworth or Gareth Davis to give them an extra match busting option. But I think Wigglesworth is at is at the tower, the towering peak of his game. I don't think he's ever been so good. Also, also, are we really going to see a all singing, all dancing Lions team in every match? I mean, can you imagine Wigglesworth in the rain in in New Zealand at midweek game and fists are flying? It'd be great. During the um, the uh, 
Was Saints game uh, in those periods where Was weren't giving the ball away or or, um, or Summer wasn't scoring a try. I kept the, the um, binoculars trained a bit on the uh, in the England captain. I mean, he's someone who's trying to really make an impression. You know, he's been coming back to, to fitness. We know we know all that. He's been, well, we've, we've been watching him trying to come back to something. And I watched him go from ruck to ruck, mm. desperately, desperately trying to make an impression and just not quite managing it at, at any point at all. He did all the bits right, which is probably why he will go with the Lions storm. Probably rightly so. But, but he could not make the sort of impression on the game. I, I think if Eddie Jones hadn't told us how many times... Hartley was a great captain for England. Hartley wouldn't be in the England team and he wouldn't even be talked about for the Lions. I know exactly what you're saying, Owen. He, he is trying hard, but two years ago there was a hooker called Hartley who could offload. He had good hands. People, you know, they like to see Hartley as the big bad villain. He could do a lot. It's just, you watch him now and, and nothing comes from nothing. I, I, I wouldn't take him because he's like a, a racehorse that's got ability, but it hasn't shown it for a long time. Just getting back to um, to my bolter in a, in a minute, um, just just another observation on, on Watson. Um, they have Anthony Watson and Liam Williams there who can both play 15, so it's one of those things you could just see, give him a game earlier on at 15 and see how it goes, I think. Anyway, the bolter of the week, unquestionably, is Duncan Taylor for me. Um, I just thought he was immense. At, um, uh, he only just come back after a long absence, which must have driven him mad. I think Scotland missed him terribly. I think he's a big guy, a really big guy, but athletic. I think he's got hands. I think he can shift offline. And I just thought he was extraordinarily good at, at Wembley on Saturday. Um, I, I've heard uh, not quite so effusive reports of Robbie Henshaw. I don't think he's playing well at all for Leinster. And I think Taylor can play 12 or 13 and I'd be very, very disappointed if Warren's not got his microscope on Duncan Taylor. Are they going to go the big ball carry? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in the end. Gatlin's not Gat- averse to the odd big ball carry, no, is he? I wouldn't be surprised if Jamie Roberts gets picked. Yeah, neither would well, I. No, 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 no. The Lions is still a real open book. It's not uh, settled. I remember in 2013, we knew almost all of them by now, but uh, at the moment, still very, very fluid. Okay, we're now going to go down south. Recently, we've heard two sides of Super Rugby. Apparently, some of the New Zealand teams are playing some great stuff. There's something on uh, YouTube and online of uh, what's meant to be the best the best try ever scored from last weekend's games. If you look at it, there's about 11 missed tackles in it, which slightly debases it for me. But fair play, uh, what you do as a consenting adult in your own time is, is fine uh, with Super Rugby. <laughs> Uh, also, um, a part of it seems to be dying a death. Um, one team, either the Melbourne Rebels or the or the uh, Western Force, uh, both announced some such great uh, fanfare some time ago. One of them's going to go. Two South African teams are going to go. Japanese teams held on by the skin of its teeth. Uh, Stuart, you still watch that stuff in your in your spare time, even though you don't admit it. Um, what um, what's happening with Super Rugby? Has it got too bloated and and the bubbles now been pricked? Yeah, in an attempt to make the pool so wide, they've lost all depth, and it's it's a big problem. I mean, I wouldn't use I, I wouldn't say it's dying a death, Steve. What I would say is that the, the expansion was too great. They, they stretched themselves. Australia has never had the depth of union talent for five teams. Australia has always done brilliantly, and we've always said, considering how few players they are. Now, they've tried to go to Perth to move it to Western Australia, and obviously Melbourne as the second city. It hasn't worked there because uh, rules is, is so strong. 
Um, and I think from an Australian point of view, the best thing that could happen for, for, for Michael Checker and Australian rugby would be to lose one, to have one less team and to have more strength. My big worry is South Africa. And that's a real disappointment. It's all to do, I think, with the, the politics of what's going on there. South Africa should be able to have five teams. South Africa is traditionally one of the two great rugby nations. And to say they are in the same boat as the Aussies and can only manage four well, I think that's a, an indictment on where South Africa is at the moment. A, a, as for the others, Argentina is always going to take time, even more so with the Sunwolves. Start of this talk, we're talking about, isn't it wonderful? We're getting 61,000 there. We're talking about the commercial viability of Premiership. Well, they're trying to do the same there. It's not working at the moment, but you can understand why they've got a team in uh, the Far East. Is this a warning for the Pro 12 when they talk about trying to tie up with America and this sort of thing? I see no great virtue in America other than the fact that it's it's a big fanfare in the press and television and a few of us get a good junket to go to New York or Boston. My my two boys get up on Saturday morning and say, Dad, Dad, you've got to look at this, it's amazing. And uh, and I can certainly um certainly see see what they like about it. Overall how it's contributed to, to the to the decline at the moment, um, who knows how long it's gonna go on for of Australia and South Africa. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, I agree with Barnsley completely that Australia has to slim down and have um, four stronger teams rather than five weak ones. But I, I just wonder, if the Lions tour is going to Australia or South Africa at the moment, what, what would we be thinking? Would we be thinking, we could do this 3-0? I mean, would it, would it excite us as much? Going to New Zealand is, is the, the biggest test of them all, certainly with things at the moment. But we, we like the picture of, of world rugby as it is with those Southern Hemisphere teams being really strong. And I, I find it really concerning for the long-term future of, 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 the, of the global game that, that those countries are struggling at the moment. And it might just be a trend. Australia especially, I think, will, will bottom out. South Africa could do. We couldn't see the Lions touring South Africa now and losing to any of the... Uh Super rugby franchises. No, Lions. No, no, on the basis that there's no South Africans playing rugby in South Africa. I think it's about 900 playing in Europe. Adam, what, uh, Super Rugby? I must admit, I don't watch a lot of it. Um, doesn't really do a lot yeah. for me. Steve, sure. I watch as much as, as I can. Yeah. I watch all the New Zealand stuff because I'm going to have to commentate on them in the summer. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, if there's a few All Blacks out, there'll be some young kids coming through. A few years ago, it was most of the time a labour of love. Now it feels like a, a job watching it. But I think Sanzar have done the right thing because they had to act. You know, I, I think they, they got it wrong. They over overacted. They've done the right thing by at least trying to stream it back. Interesting. But the games between the Kiwi teams are strong, uh, though, aren't they? Yeah, but I mean, those are big games. That, that's got nothing to do with Super Rugby. Uh, no, that, exactly, that's, exactly. That's New Zealand Rugby, and that's why New Zealand Rugby is sort of light years ahead of just about everyone. I mean, you, you talk to him about... We went to Australia now and should beat them 3-0. Would it be exciting? To be honest, four years ago... I thought we went there and the Lions should have beaten them 3-0. Australia are a better team now than they were four years ago, which is a, a warning not to get too carried away about the Lions, especially yeah. as they're in New Zealand. Good good, uh, good point about South Africa, though. It's just gone so soft, you feel sorry for them. And also, the country itself, I don't know if anyone's read R.W. Johnson's latest book about South Africa. I mean, the, the, the absolute pandemic corruption, mm. horrific corruption, and what he describes as the criminalisation of the society there is terrifying. I mean, you just wonder whether, never mind about rugby, when the Lions go there in four years' time, whether South Africa will, will be there. But anyway, well, when, you th when you think, Steve, 1995, lots of us were there for that World Cup, that was the most exhilarating sporting event of my life because we all had hope. It was one year after Mandela yeah. had come back 
and the ANC was the Rainbow Nation government, and, and it was so exciting, and that's what makes it so depressing now. And also you can see with um, why it's more inexplicable in South Africa, because in Australia, rugby union is the fourth or fifth sport mm. in South Africa. It's well, number number one, one or two, yeah. Yeah. barring soccer. Yeah. Okay, that just about wraps it up for this week. Just before we go, we're going to go back to Sergio, uh, King Sergio, El Cordobes Garcia. Uh, Owen, what was your Sergio moment in rugby? Do you want me to give mine in Spanish as well, like you did? Y- yeah, well, you're probably not as fluent as I am. No, no, it's impressive, impressive. Right, I'll, I'll start off with English. A Sergio moment for me. So, so what sort of the, the the character of the Sergio moment was? It was was we've been waiting for a very very long time for that to happen, and actually had given up that it, that it would. Yeah. Um, I didn't think Wales were going to win a Grand Slam again. Professionalisation of rugby. I thought the rugby's going in one direction. Bigger nations, bigger war chests. We'll uh, we'll walk off with it. Two thousand and five, Wales get over the line again for the first time since the nineteen seventies, and I remember that day. I remember the 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 colour of the of the streets of Cardiff beforehand, the the, the expectation, the hope. And, um, and I remember Kevin Morgan uh, running away to score the try in about the 65th minute to uh, to basically um, to, to sew the whole thing up. I thought thought that was an amazing day, a great day. Just one of those days for sport which says it doesn't always happen the way you expect. Stuart, what's your equivalent in rugby of Sergio last night? Where else but Bordeaux? Um, who else but Bath? Uh, my old mates were coming to the end of their tether. For me, Bath is about people. It's not about the place. And there were still people like Jerry there. And Bath played brief. And it was their last throw of a team that had been undoubtedly the best in England. And had there been a European Cup 10 years earlier, we'd have been quite dominant and won it a few times. It was the last throw. Uh, Bath won it. And even on Sky, where alcohol is strictly forbidden, I was able to crack a bottle of champagne with tears coming down my eyes as Mark Durden-Smith interviewed me to my great embarrassment. Um, is it, it's not one of your golf anecdotes, is it? No, it's not, and it's like not a dog race either. Right. Um, right. We wait so long for an underdog to win a knock over a really big nation at a World Cup. You can always virtually predict most of the pool games, but Japan against South Africa in Brighton last year was absolutely fantastic. Uh, in, sorry, 2020, in 2015, made even better by the fact that one journalist who was sitting next to me, who's no stranger to this podcast... Um, sat down before the game and said, this is a problem with the World Cup. Games like this, where the big boys will overrun the minnows. It was absolutely staggering day. <laughs> Who said that? Nick Kane of the rugby paper. Oh, right, excellent. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, thank God. Mine uh, also involves someone in this room. I, I always, um, uh, th- I've always seen rugby as a massive forward, um, beasting, uh, brutal affair. I also like it when gorgeous touches like Matt Banhan's little pop pass. Uh, I love things like that. I love Anthony Watson's um, long runs. Um, some time ago, when um, Paul Barnsey was kept out of the team by Rob Andrew, I thought it was unfair. Not because uh, Barnsey and I were contemporaries at the same school, but because um, <laughs> it was just so unadventurous and, 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 and boring and uh, they didn't have to do it the way they did. So when my friend Barnes came in to play Scotland, um, Dewey Morris, was it? it gave was Dewey, th- yeah. threw an absolutely ridiculous pass over your head. You almost had to be lifted to, to, to do it, uh, to catch it. But when you caught it and came down to the ground, you shot off with your traditional 30-yard uh, burst of pace which was always preceded you falling in a, in a heap. But you did make a glorious break. And then um, 
Jeremy Guscott came floating up on the outside at the exact moment when your momentum died. He took off with the fastest burst of speed I've ever seen on a rugby field, even by even if you include Carlton and Isles, the American sprinter. And I just thought that was such a vindication for so many things. Yourself, Jack Rowell, the way Bath did it, and it showed that rugby could be played in that way. I just thought that was a fantastic Sergio moment. That's it from The Ruck this week. Just thanks a million to Owen Slot, Stuart Barnes, Adam Hathaway, who's just off to go to the dogs. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.